Welcome to another episode of Demolition Now, the official podcast of the National Demolition Association. Our goal with this podcast is to provide you with a mixture of content and analysis of the issues impacting the demolition industry, along with engaging interviews of industry leaders, experts, and analysts that will provide unique perspectives on the industry today. If you have suggestions for topics for future episodes, please email them to me at kmckenney at demolitionassociation.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Demolition Now through iTunes or Stitcher, available in the Google Play Store. You can also listen to us online through the NDA website. Hello, and welcome to Demolition Now. I'm NDA Membership and Operations Associate, Eric DeVos. On this episode, I interview NDA President, Chris Godek, and NDA Safety Committee Chair, Kyle Maddox, regarding the demolition industry's best practices and work safety during the COVID-19 pandemic. They also share some insight into how their own companies are operating in order to meet local safety guidelines and what they are doing to keep their employees healthy and safe. Later, NDA Director of Government Affairs, Kevin McKenney, gives a regulatory and legislative update. Stay with us. Joining us now on the podcast is NDA President Chris Godek. Chris, how's it going, man? Good, Eric. How are you, my friend? Good. Thanks for taking some time to join us today. Um, I hope you're doing well. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've seen each other in person, but we've been in contact uh, over the phone quite a bit. Uh, so it's always good speaking to you and getting your perspective on things right now. Um, I guess my first question for you is, what is the trend looking like uh, in your area right now regarding you know, COVID-19? And what has a typical day looked like for your crew the past few months? So, so the current trend now is, um, uh, you know, everyone's wearing masks or, or, or asked to be wearing masks, um, went out and about, including our current construction projects. Um, they we're, Connecticut's currently in phase two, which has a, uh, you know, if you went on the, on the, on the Connecticut website, you'd see the list of built, um, businesses and, and facilities that are open. Um, right now it's, it's, uh, you know, minimized occupancy in most locations and, and wearing masks. There's also travel restrictions in place from people coming into Connecticut. Um, and, and they, uh, you know, there's a, there's a voluntary, um, quarantine of anybody coming in from hot spots around the country or the world of 14 days. Uh, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's uh, people are knocking on your door to make sure you're going, not going out, outside and into the public, but uh, it is, it is, it does exist. So those are, uh, those are the biggest trends right now in, in Connecticut regarding uh, COVID. Uh, as far as our crews go, same thing, same thing. Our crews are still wearing masks on all job sites. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, there's some other things I think we're going to get to and I'll touch on those in a little bit. And, and uh, right. to be, if I, if I could just interject, we, you know, we've been lucky here in Connecticut. We've had, um, we've had, we started off, I think pretty, 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 you know, with quite a few cases, but Connecticut's really gotten a hold of uh, the situation 
and, and I think we have 57 people in the hospital right now, um, which is pretty good compared to a lot, a lot of the country. Yeah, I've actually noticed that as well in your area. Um, like you said, it started off as a hot spot, but um, more recently, you guys have been doing a great job up there. So um, you're right, you guys have been um, pretty fortunate, um, and hopefully that trend continues. Um, what have you been hearing from other members regarding some safety practices or routines that uh, they've been utilizing during this time? Well, I think, I think a lot of the, our membership has been uh, using the, the typical, um, you know, taking temperatures, uh, requiring waivers be filled out uh, and questionnaires before entering a job site, um, and just, just kind of keeping in touch with our workforce. Uh, I, I know that's what we're doing, and I, I'd imagine a lot of our members are doing, doing the same thing. Keeping them working in groups of five or less or ten or less is another guideline that I know a lot of members have been trying to follow. We have, we have, um, you know, due to the, the, um, varied discipline of, of, of the, I'm sorry, the very, the very task of the demolition discipline, we find that, um, there's certain, certain employers that have less chance of spreading COVID between their employers or their employees. You know, if we have a company that, that mainly does, uh, heavy demolition, equipment work, you know, their, their guys and, and girls are, are not sitting um, next to people. They're in machines. But if you have a contractor that's more attuned to performing select demo or interior demo, that's a, that's a very uh, labor intensive business. So there's, they're going to be taking more precautions and trying to figure out some ideas on how to keep their workforce safe. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a, a good point on, you know, different types of demo having different risks right now. From your perspective, um, is there anything in particular that members should be focusing on um, regardless of the, the type of demo that they're practicing or what kind of job site they're on? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that housekeeping is a big issue right now not issue i think housekeeping is more important than ever if there's an outbreak on the job site you tend to go in and clean the site um, which is made easier if jobs kept clean and a, and a clean job site just just kind of you know it's like a bad job site once that element creeps in it stays there so if you, if you have a really clean job site it tends to uh you know separate throughout the site and throughout everybody on the site and things are just kept very very diligently and very determined i think communication is key right now <clears throat> you know letting our employees know that we're there um letting them know that you know we have concerns just like they do and and listening to what their concerns are and how how we can facilitate the work on the site and, and make sure it's safe and then the other thing is finding ways to keep our um, employees working at their optimum whether it's uh you know some some employees are working with masks now that may not have worked with masks um so that's that that may require a couple more breaks or a little bit more of a, a thought to how we're going to let them um get a break here and there finding ways to keep our office people outside the office whether it's uh, technology or or new software so there's a lot of a lot of things out there i think the most important thing we can do is just keep our, our, uh, our 
our minds open and, and looking for that next, um, you know, I don't want to say breakthrough, but just, just keeping a, an eye open for the next uh, piece of information or technology that'll help us do our job better. That's a great point. I, you know, like you said, keeping a, G, a clean job site, having communication with your employees. Um, these are things that during this period of time, I think, you know, it kind of brings the focus back onto those. And hopefully it's something that will continue, you know, even after we return to, uh, you know, quote unquote normal. Um, is there anything else that you have seen regarding safety practices or um, expectations from employees or employers that you think will become um, more important now and stay important after we return to normal? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so I could speak to a, a couple different things. I could speak to what we do currently. Um, we spend a lot more money on technology, trying to get our, our workforce more mobile, uh, able to work from home some days and just, uh, you know, allowing certain parts of our staff to have more freedom. Uh, so, so that, you know, the, how do I say this? We, you know, if we advocate, if we, if we, if we help them work safely and work in a, in a healthy environment, then they become their own best advocates on, on staying working. Um, you know, I think I said spending money on technology. That's a huge one for us over here. <laughs> I could talk to you about that for hours, but yeah, we spend a lot of money on technology. Um, and then looking for ways to leverage technology to minimize worker exposure and, and to create smaller crew sizes. And I think where this is particularly interesting in our industry is the advent of robotic equipment and the, um, and the use of smaller micro equipment, if you will. Uh, we have a couple members that make electronic mini skid steers and mini excavators that weren't, weren't around just as recently as three or four years ago. Uh, we're looking at leveraging those so that way we have a smaller crew size on site, which would minimize any exposures or, or the chance that uh, employees could sh share exposure or, or, or um, could infect somebody else with COVID. So those are all, all some of those things that we're looking ahead at. Uh, one of the other things that we're, we're using a lot are QR scans so we could have touchless sign-ins and waiver fill-outs on job sites. You know, uh, you, you, you put a QR scan code up, boy comes in, he scans it, and it gives them a, a, a waiver and a questionnaire right on their phone. They could fill it out and submit it. And now there's no, no pen. I don't have to worry about a guy sharing a pen. Who has a pen? Who forgot a pen? Um, you know, there's a pen on the ground. Who touched it last? That kind of stuff. So that's, that's been a really big, uh, big, big item for us. And wash stations all over the job sites, which, which we didn't see much of prior to COVID or everywhere. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. I think anything we can do to keep our employees, um, help, help, help them with hygiene on the job site is going to be a big boon to a combating COVID and keeping a job site clean and, and keeping a, a general atmosphere of, of care around the job site. Yeah, Chris, all those things that you mentioned, um, very important, very interesting to think about. Specifically, I think the, you know, robotics and technology, uh, you know, leading to smaller crew sizes, you know, becoming more efficient. I think that is super interesting. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, last question here. Um, on one of the recent podcasts, 
uh, when you know COVID-19 started, you told members, um, you know, be resilient, we'll get through this. Uh, a few months later now, um, what, what do you have to say to members and is there anything else that you want to address um, regarding, you know, COVID-19 resiliency and, you know, the future of the demolition industry? Yeah, you, you, you know, it's uh, the NDA and, and, their, and its membership are very near and dear to my heart. And I think that we as an industry have, have um, you know, continue to evolve and pioneer and address the challenges in front of us. There haven't been very many conversations I've had with uh, my contemporaries where the conversation was, ah, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, at least not in a jestful way, but in a serious way. And I think we're all uh, looking for things to, to come back to some sort of normal. But on the bigger side of that, we're all just adapting and continuing to do business as best we can with, with any controls we can put in place. Um, and if I could say anything to, to uh, you know, our membership today, it's, it's uh, the NDAs here. You know, we have a wealth of information that we can offer to, to our, um, our membership uh, in any way we can help. We have a great group of people on our board now and, and you know, the sharing of information is just becoming, uh, we're getting a lot better at it and we're getting better at that every day. Um, as far as employers and employees, resiliency is the key right now. And, uh, you know, some days, yeah, you get up and, um, you know, some days, some days you have to lead by example. Um, and some days we find that, that, um, that diamond where one of our people takes it on and, and, and leads. And I don't mean by lead by, Hey, let's get in there and get work done, but leads by example and, and, and shows caring and, and leadership qualities that you may not have seen before. And I think the times like this, they bring those things out and, um, you know, you have to watch for them because they're there. Yeah. Well, Chris, I, I agree wholeheartedly with all that. And um, NDA is lucky to have you as a uh, president uh, during this time. Um, ever the optimist and very positive in your outlook and you have some great knowledge to share with the members. So um, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I hope to see you soon. And thank you for everything you do for NDA. And thank you for joining me on today's podcast. Hey, Eric, thank you. Thank you, man. And, uh, you know, listen, if I have anything to say to everybody else, it's love always wins. So uh, let's go out there, care about each other and get it done. Joining us now on the NDA podcast, we have Kyle Maddox of Virginia Wrecking, located in Daphne, Alabama. Virginia Wrecking was one of NDA's charter members, and Kyle is the chair of the NDA Safety Committee. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. I think the last time that you and I saw each other uh, was at the NDA convention in Austin, Texas, and that was in February. So a little bit has changed since then. Uh, how are things in your area regarding COVID-19, and what's the trend down there? Yeah, so... Um uh, we're located in uh, South Alabama on the Gulf Coast, and um, so Alabama has actually uh, uh, has a mandatory uh, mask or face covering requirement that went into effect, uh, I guess, a week or two ago. Um, it was encouraged up to that point, but um, there's a mandate now, um, and there's some limitations to that. Um, obviously, you know, they encourage you to wear it within six feet if you're out in public, if you're within six feet of somebody that's from a different household. 
Um, if you're in a store that's open to the general public, you know, and that, that you see these kind of trends everywhere, really, uh, public transportation, those kind of things. Um, and then an out, outdoor public space, there's more than 10 or so people. So if you're out and you're having a, you know, picnic with your family or something like that, um, obviously, um, you know, they're, they're not going to enforce it in that situation unless you're coming in contact with people that are outside your household. So, you know, I think they've done a good job of, uh, of uh, making it uh, um, actually a, a, a decent mandate that, that is easy to get behind and easy to follow. So some of those exceptions that you do see out there that a lot of other states and, you know, in our area down here, um, you know, younger children, six years or younger, don't have to wear them. If you have a medical condition, obviously you can't wear it when you're eating and drinking. Um, you know, if you're exercising and you're, you're practicing social distancing, they don't require you to do it. Um, you know, obviously there's certain jobs, uh, you know, religious functions, stuff like that, you know, it's not required. They still encourage it, but, um, you know, first responders don't have to wear it. And then the big important one for us was, um, you know, for, for your, if your job function, you know, if wearing it is inconsistent with safety protocols or something like that, like if you, your face needs to be seen or, or it, it causes a, um, um, uh, a vision, you know, problem with, uh, wearing a mask or a breathing problem, you know, um, with that added, uh, added level of restriction of your breathing. So, um, I think Alabama's done a good job, um, of, uh, uh trying to make it a, a reasonable mandate. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's not hard. We've had a, you know, there's some people that haven't really got behind it yet, but I think as a whole, it's, it's, uh, everybody's, uh, seems to be following it. So. Yeah, that definitely sounds like some reasonable guidance uh, in the state of Alabama. Um, and with that guidance in mind and COVID in general, what has your company been doing differently in the past few months to keep your employees safe? So, um, honestly, um, I, I think it's, it, we, we, our company is more of a structural demolition company. We do a little bit of interior stuff, but it's mostly heavy demo. So, um, you know, we we uh we were practicing social distancing we just didn't know we didn't have a name for it right um so you know we're doing heavy machine work in our own machines that are in their cabs you know air conditioned cab you know so you know it was kind of easy for us to get um you know uh to continue to work without having to change a lot now obviously we had to make sure that nobody was you know ganging up on breaks and and everybody jumping in the same truck together to go to lunch or whatever that was so there's been a few changes there but you know, the, the stuff on the job sites, um, you know, it's uh, temperature checks, um, obviously social distancing once you're on the job. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to get everybody bought in, I think, is the biggest thing. And we've, we've done a good job, I think, um, in, in our company and in, in the companies we're working for. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's, um, it's turned into such a political thing on a mask or no mask. Um, and I think that uh, the way we've seen it more encouraged is more as a PPE and an engineering control, um, not necessarily a, you know, a political thing. So, you know, if you treat it just like you're going to wear your respirator, you're going to put your work boots on or your hard hat on in the morning when you show up at the job site. That's the kind of way we encourage it, you know, to, to do this, is what you have to do to go to work. We've been wearing, you know, respirators and we've been wearing hard hats and high-vis vests for years. And, you know, so it's just another form of PPE that we try to encourage everybody to wear and use. So. Yeah, that's a great point, and I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, you're also heavily involved with NDA. You're the chair of the safety committee. You work closely with the board of directors, and so you're pretty well connected within the industry. Have you noticed any industry-wide practices or heard of any trends that are starting to become more popular 
with other companies um, that they are utilizing to meet some safety requirements that you might not have? So, um, and, and just, just from contacting and being in contact with other guys that have a lot of heavy labor projects, um, you know, the social distancing is probably the hardest thing for people to, to, um, to maintain while on the job site, especially in the demo industry. You know, we're working in an environment, you know, where, um, you know, communication is key and trying to keep everybody safe. So, you know, the communication, you know, obviously that is one thing that, you know, if you if you've got a, a mask over your face, um, and you're trying to communicate with, you know, your fellow employee, it can be, it can cause some problems. So, um, I know that some of the ways that people have done it, they've, they've been able to maintain social distancing by minimizing crew size, which, you know, increases your costs, obviously, because your, you know, your production rates go down or you have to double those production works, production and, and work another shift. And so I know that that's been one way some people have been able to manage it. Um, but you know, that's, I think it's ever changing as we're kind of figuring out, you know, before, as we're learning more and more about COVID and the way it's transferred, um, you know, you know, when we were first doing it, it was, you know, wear gloves, don't touch anybody, don't touch anything, wash your hands every five minutes, yada, yada, yada. So what we're learning more and more of is that the, it's not quite as transferable as everybody, uh, I guess on surfaces, like, like what we were originally thinking a couple months ago. So that's kind of made it a little bit, I wouldn't say lax, but it's, it's, we're learning more and more about, COVID and the way it's transferred every day, you know, as, as we're learning more and more. So I think that, you know, that's a developing thing that's changing. Obviously, you know, in our line of work, we're, you know, the social distancing and the mask wearing is, you know, knock on wood is, has been very successful on our projects. So. Yeah, that's a great point, Kyle, regarding, you know, reducing crew sizes as a way to keep um, good social distance. Um, if you had to pick maybe, you know, one or two practices for companies to keep in mind moving forward, regardless of the type of demolition that they're doing, um, what would those be? I would say to, to do your, uh, your crew size reduction to maintain your social distancing because, you know, the best way to keep from transmitting COVID is to, to keep your distance, right? You know, it's, it's transferred through these these droplets, right? Well, if you're not close enough to get the droplets, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, your, your, your chances of getting it are uh, greatly reduced. So, um, I think that's, that's the main one. And then, you know, um, and you treat just like, uh, you treat any other hazard, you know, um, your administration control and your, your engineering controls is your distance apart. And then your PPE, which is kind of the last leg that the last thing you want to do is actually to, require or rely on your face mask to, to, to provide that last element of um, protection. But, you know, the distancing and the, um, and the crew size reduction, that kind of thing, that's, that's really where you're going to get the, the, the best part of your, uh, you know, protection from COVID-19. So, um, you know, I think treating it, treating it just like any other job site hazard is, is a good way to look at it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, once we, kind of have a better understanding of, of COVID and we start to get things figured out, um, companies aren't going to continue to operate with smaller crew sizes, but are there any other practices that have become more prevalent because of COVID-19 that you think may continue even into the future? You know, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I think, uh, it's, you know, it's a hard question to answer. Um, because we've, we've, we've changed the way we do things and how we 
allow people to come on the job and uh, whether we're pre-screening them or temperature checks and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't foresee that continuing, I think, uh, especially because, you know, the asymptomatic um, patients or, or, you know, uh, workers, I mean, you, you, there's no way to catch everything. So, um, so I don't really know exactly how it's going to affect everybody down the road. Cause like I said, you would have asked me the same question two months ago and I gave you a completely different answer just because of what we're learning about, you know, how it's transmitted and, you know, how it's going to affect the long term. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I guess the last thing that I have for you is I'll just give you some time to say anything you want to the NDA members and share any COVID-19 resources uh, for members to utilize. So I, I think that um, our industry is, is better equipped than most. Um, and that's just based on the exposures that we're potentially faced with on a daily basis. Um, you know, you look at silica and asbestos and lead, you look at all these things that we've dealt with for years. Um, and I, I think that's prepared us to accommodate these new requirements with COVID-19. It's, it's prepared us to accommodate it relatively quickly and easily. So, um, like I said before, structural demolition is, it's inherently social distant, right? Most work is performed with heavy machinery and it allows us to stay separated. So, um, so we can achieve that pretty easily. So I know, I know the interior demo, it's, it's a little bit harder, but, um, but anyways, I, I would encourage anybody, every, everyone to just continue to keep it at the top of a priority list. I, I think we can, uh, you know, we're, we're an industry that can, uh, deal with changes very easily. You know, you look at what, you know, what we're faced with on a daily basis, the, the challenges that we face and, and, um, you know, how we mitigate those challenges or those hazards. Right. So, um, I think the demo industry is, is, you know, strong and resilient and we'll, you know, we're, we're solving these problems as, as, as they're being dealt to us. So, um, I'd encourage everyone to visit our COVID-19 resource page. It's, um, it's located on the, under the membership tab on the website at demolitionassociation.com. Um, there's a lot of good info on there, some safety talks, some COVID information. Um, and obviously, you know, if, if there's something on there, you don't, I mean, reach out to us, so, you know, so um, that's what we're here to help. Well, Kyle, I want to thank you for coming on our podcast and sharing some of your best practices with us. Um, I know our listeners are going to find them very useful. Um, and I also want to thank you for everything that you do for NDA um, as our safety committee chair. Um, so once again, thank you for everything. Currently, Congress is getting back into gear regarding phase four relief legislation as the COVID-19 pandemic continues. As you recall, NDA has been very active in weighing in with Congress on several priorities important to the demolition industry. And as Congress gears up for another round of legislation, NDA is having a seat at the table with regard to the phase four bill. Specifically, NDA has sent a letter to Capitol Hill highlighting the priorities of the industry. A few of the key provisions that are in that letter include two main categories with several specific acts underneath each of them. The first one is called maximizing small business relief. In this section, NDA is asking for the federal government to make several changes to relief programs that were implemented in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Specifically, NDA is supporting improvements to SBA's Paycheck Protection Program to allow for demolition contractors and other businesses to have the most amount of flexibility and options available. 
So NDA supports several reasonable proposals to protect the construction and demolition contractors as we continue the recovery. These would include things like allocating additional money, specifically $250 million for additional PPP loans. We want some additional clarity on the question of liquidity and making sure that demolition contractors will not face undue scrutiny for taking out loans. And we want to make sure that guidance issued by SBA and the Treasury Department allow for more flexibility for contractors as they navigate the correct use of these funds for their specific situation. In addition, NDA is supporting allowing applicants for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program to receive the full $10,000 advance. Currently, this is dependent upon the number of employees with a cash advance of $1,000 per employee with a max of $10,000. NDA feels that if a company wants to take out an economic injury disaster loan, that $10,000 advance should be made available. In addition, NDA is supporting several changes to the Main Street Lending Program and other small business loan programs that ensure demolition contractors receive the maximum amount of flexibility. In addition to some of these short-term priorities, NDA is looking in a more longer-term context with regard to continued recovery. Our second section then is strengthening construction, namely with a focus on infrastructure. NDA feels that recovery should include needed funding for our nation's infrastructure. The federal government should enact legislation that provides immediate appropriations to programs such as the Highway Trust Fund, EPA Brownsfield programs, and others. Specifically, NDA is calling for increased investments in schools, hospitals, water wastewater systems, airports, inland waterways, and other public facilities. NDA is also supporting the expediting of environmental reviews so that we can speed up the process for these infrastructure projects to move forward. NDA is also supporting additional money for vocational training to help alleviate the labor shortage in the construction industry and several other important priorities that are detailed in our comprehensive letter. In addition, NDA is also supporting several other measures that are going to improve safety in the workplace. As everybody knows, a key focus for the demolition industry is safety. And so priorities like increasing access to PPE for demolition contractors in the industry at whole, asking for OSHA to adopt a assistance posture and a consulting posture rather than focusing on enforcement during this time, and also increasing access to COVID-19 testing to ensure that states and localities have the means to distribute tests to where they're needed most. NDA will continue to monitor these developments as phase four legislation takes hold. We expect the Senate to have a bill on the floor in late July or early August. So NDA will be conducting appropriate follow-ups with the Hill following the submission of this letter. Now let's talk a little bit about the regulatory side and get into some updates specifically for OSHA rulemaking. Recently, OSHA has updated what is called the Unified Agenda, which is a dashboard view of pending OSHA regulations, along with regulations from other federal agencies. The most recent update contains several important pieces of information regarding regulations that NDA is very active on. The first one I'd like to highlight is powered industrial trucks. According to OSHA, this standard still relies upon ANSI standards from 1969. 
OSHA previously issued a request for information to determine if changes are needed to be made to the locations, locations of use, maintenance, training, and operation of powered industrial trucks. And NDA weighed in with a formal comment letter to OSHA during that RFI period. Now, OSHA is planning to issue a proposed rule in December of this year. NDA will be submitting comments on that when it becomes available. The next one I'd like to discuss is called Lockout Tagout. According to OSHA, recent technological advancements that employ computer-based controls of hazardous equipment conflict with OSHA's existing lockout tagout standard. The use of these computer-based controls has become more prevalent as equipment manufacturers modernize their designs, and OSHA issued a request for information of May of 2019 to understand the strengths and limitations of this new technology, as well as potential hazards to workers. NDA submitted a formal comment letter during that RFI period. According to this most recent edition of the Unified Agenda, OSHA has announced that they will issue a proposed rule in May of 2021 to update the lockout-tagout standard. NDA will weigh in on this proposed rule when it becomes available. The next issue is crystalline silica. In 2016, OSHA published a final rule on occupational exposure to expirable crystalline silica, one for construction and one for general industry and maritime. The construction standard includes Table 1, specified exposure control methods when working with materials containing crystalline silica, which matches common construction tasks with dust control methods that have been shown to be effective, according to the agency. In some operations, respirators are also needed. Employers who follow Table 1 correctly are not required to measure workers' exposure to silica and are not subject to the permissible exposure limit, or PEL. As we've reported previously, OSHA is considering changes to Table 1 and previously issued a request for information, which NDA submitted comments on. OSHA just recently stated that the earliest revision to Table 1 would be in March of 2021. NDA will be weighing in when that becomes available. The next issue is PPE in construction. OSHA has also just specified with very little detail that they will issue a proposed rule on PPE and construction in August of this year. We don't have many details on what that will include, but NDA will be weighing in when that rule becomes available. Lastly, OSHA has indicated that they will issue a final rule on beryllium in construction this month, July of 2020. NDA submitted written comments during the proposed rule stage and will be carefully analyzing the final rule when it is published. We'll have more information on all of these rulemakings as OSHA releases more information. And that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining us.